Newcastle made Europe sit up and take notice on match day two of the Champions League as they blew away Kylian Mbappe and Paris Saint-Germain. Now the Magpies face a Borussia Dortmund side that's unbeaten in the league, but misfiring in Europe. And if Eddie Howe's men can have another glorious European night at St. James's Park, the last 16 will be within touching distance. I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. Delighted to say that I'm joined by two tipsters who are laser focused on football at home and abroad. Mark O'Hare and Mark Stinchcomb, perfect for this assignment. Delighted to say Mark O'Hare got five out of five in the uh, weekend preview. So well done to him, Stinch, on terrific form this season as well. Mark Newcastle were just too intense in their pressing, too clinical in attack for PSG to handle on match day two you would think we're going to see something similar against Dortmund in the approach, if not the result. Yeah, I, I think uh, the result might be a bit too too far-fetched to, to repeat the, the heroics of, of that night, but I certainly expect Newcastle to get something positive out of this game. And I'm going to back them to win this game at 179 on the exchange. Um, do like them, do like them at that price too. Uh, I got them all wrong on match day two. Um, I was adamant they were far too short for that fixture against PSG. But as you say, they were utterly dominant, really. Um, I think they were given a, a huge helping hand by by PSG's bizarre sort of Crazy tactical team approach. selection. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, it was bonkers. I knew I was in trouble as soon as I saw the team selection. Um, PSG had done it the, the, the weekend previous against Clermont away, but doing it to where to Clermont and then doing it to a Newcastle is completely different. And um, yeah, Enrique, Luis Enrique just seemed reluctant to change things. And Newcastle were clinical. They were smart and they were fully deserving of that, that win. It was a tremendous performance, but um yeah, kind of soured a little bit for me with, with PSG's approach. Um, but anyway, going back to Newcastle, it was night and day compared to what we saw on match day one at San Siro, uh, where they were really lucky to escape with a point. They had injuries, of course, going into that PSG game, but they coped, coped supremely well. Um, and they seem to be starting to reach last season's heights again, domestically at least. And, um, you know, there has been a few hiccups, mostly against the, the best teams, the best elite opponents they've had so far this season. But on the whole, they're moving in the right direction, uh, steamrolled Palace at the weekend at St. James's, very impressive, up to fifth in the Premier League. And if you look at the underlying metrics, Newcastle are actually ranking as the, the top team for expected goals supremacy in the Premier League this season. Uh, they're generating the highest XG figures in the division. And at St. James's Park, those figures are enhanced as well. So quite happy to back them at, at 179. Um, you know, I wouldn't be too surprised to see that price contract a little bit further before kickoff. Um, they went off at 2.4 in that fixture against PSG, who themselves were 176 on the off against Dortmund uh, and won that fixture relatively comfortably in the end. Um, I thought Dortmund equipped themselves okay at, at the Parc de Prince before the penalty and, and weren't really at the races thereafter. And they didn't really land a, a blow on PSG throughout that match and you know failed to fire a little bit. So, uh, And also it came very early in, in Luis Enrique's kind of tenure of PSG too. So I expected a little bit more from Dortmund on that evening um, and I just feel this is just as difficult a contest really from a Dortmund perspective um, potentially tougher based on what we've seen so far this season so you mentioned the atmosphere on match day two at St James's it was it was electric Newcastle were front foot they were aggressive in and out of possession and I think Dortmund will be put under pressure here um, I'm just not confident in this team 
Uh, well, I'm not confident this is the same team we saw 12 months ago from a Dortmund perspective. As you mentioned, the Bundesliga results unbeaten. I'm still not quite sure how they're unbeaten at this stage. Um, in fairness to them, Friday night was more convincing than the scoreline suggested. But I think a lot of previous matches, the, the scoreline was probably quite kind to them compared to balance of play. So um, they should and could have been turned over at home by Milan on, on match day two. And I think Newcastle will fancy their chances here. As you say, a win puts them in a, a fantastic position. The only negative I have is, is Botman's injury, but they've coped pretty admirably, admirably without him so far. So, um, yeah, I'm happy to bet Newcastle at the price, 179. Yeah, Stinch, you watch a lot of Bundesliga. Dortmund, as Mark says, unbeaten in the league. They're not quite clicking. It's it's strange. In the last few weeks, Edin Terzic has made this decision, and I understand why, to play with a lot more control, to make them a, a little bit less wild. And that's fine. And they're they're not giving away many goals. And they're, you know, they've they've won six and drawn two in the Bundesliga. They haven't scored a goal in the Champions League yet. And a lot of their attacking players are not on great form. Yeah, I think they're still struggling to evolve after Bellingham leaving, basically. And you look at some of the the players they've brought in, particularly, say, Nicholas Fulkrug in attack. It's not someone that uh, is necessarily necessarily going to be making, you know, lots of runs in behind or, or is going to be very dynamic. You know, he wants the ball into the box. He's a penalty box striker. He wants the ball into the box. He wants cro- he wants crosses in, and you know you can't really argue with their their start in the Bundesliga as you as you mentioned. But I think you know they've been fortuitous perhaps in some of the the. A the the fixture list and then B the the quality of teams they come up against. You know, for example, they played Union Berlin uh, a couple of weeks ago on a Friday night. Yeah, Union Berlin that's now lost what eight games in a row, I think. Um, and and they still managed to sort of make that one a, a typical Dortmund match with the with a three two victory. Whereas most other teams, obviously, you know, have uh, have managed to nullify Union. And as you mentioned, they failed to score in uh, either of the Champions League games. Yeah, I think I think um, I th- this was kind of labelled the group of death, wasn't it? Um, but I think probably like Newcastle should be looking to win the group now. I would I would argue, and you know that could present a terrific um, knockout tie for them in terms of. Um, difficulty in the next round compared to finishing second. Um, you know, Mark mentioned the fact that they're they're pretty much going off the same price as PSG were at home to Dortmund. And obviously uh, Newcastle were um only slight faves against PSG in the in their game against them. So basically the market was still well I say still viewing. Um you might it might sound surprising to say still viewing PSG as being better than Newcastle. But yeah, you know, as the season is evolving and we're getting a better read on say how Luis Enrique is doing with PSG and maybe how Eddie Howe's adapting Newcastle Champions League, it's getting to the stage now where you know Newcastle are being rated the same ability as PSG. And you know, who'd have who'd have thought that? Uh you know, two, three years ago when uh, Steve Bruce was in charge. So Big big uh, kudos to to Newcastle. Um, I'm I'm not one to want to get involved here, um, just because I think there's better bets uh, this week. But I can certainly understand why people want to get Newcastle on side, particularly the way you know 
the fact that they don't concede goals and yet are creating high quality chances at the end of, at the end of the pitch is is a recipe for success basically. Um, so I could imagine if Dortmund do go there and as we sort of saw away against PSG, you know they didn't start playing until they were two 0 down. Well, if they do the same here, you know it's it's a recipe for a defeat. And uh, yes, yeah, so I wouldn't be surprised to see Newcastle win this one as well. Worth bearing in mind, by the way, you can get a free bet when you place a £5 bet builder on Manchester United against Copenhagen. Opt-in required. T's and C's apply. 18 plus. Be gambleaware.org. I'll get us started with ideas for, for a bet builder. I do quite fancy Rasmus Hoyland here. I think he looked good against Galatasaray, even if the rest of the team was malfunctioning horribly around him. I think he's looked sharp. I think now that he's seems to have got over that back injury. I think he could do some damage against the Copenhagen team that I think you can get at. Um, obviously conceded a couple of goals against Galatasaray, conceded a couple of goals against Bayern, not playing particularly well domestically. And they've only won three of the last seven in the Danish Super League. So I'll start us off with Rasmus Hoyland to score. Mark, what would you be tempted to throw into the pot? Uh, mine was quite just a straight bat, really. I was thinking of, of Bruno Fernandes to have a shot on target. Um, it's about 8.15, so I think it's quite a, a reasonable price for a bet builder. Um, it's landed in all but four of his matches across club and country this season. Uh, the games he failed to have a shot on target were away at Bayern, uh, failed against Arsenal, uh, as well as a deeper role playing for Portugal against Bosnia and Sheffield United at the weekend, surprisingly enough. But um, more often than not, he fires away a couple of opportunities, a couple of attempts at goal, and, and normally one of those does hit the target. Um, as you say, Copenhagen, probably not the Copenhagen of old, really, that dominated the Danish divisions. They um, they have been struggling a little bit this season. So um, uh, there was an alternative I did have, but the, the price hasn't been released yet. So I'm kind of keeping an eye on Betfair <laughs> during the show just to see if we do get some. But, but their centre-half, uh, Dennis Favro, Slovakian guy, um, he is kind of the lead when Copenhagen starts possession from the back. And he's been putting up some outrageously strong passing numbers as well. So I'd have a look to see if Betfair do offer a 50-plus passes price, uh, anything from about uh, seven to ten or bigger. Um, he's passed fifty or more, or fifty or more times in ten of his eleven league games. I know the Danish Superliga is a, a lot uh, lower in value compared to the Champions League, but he actually attempted fifty-five against Bayern on match day two as well. So uh, he is definitely sort of the leading candidate for passes in the Copenhagen team, but no price at the minute. So I'll stick with Bruno for a shot on target. Lynch, anything stand out to you particularly here? And depending on who starts at centre back, I thought perhaps uh, Harry Maguire to commit one or more fouls at eight to thirteen <laughs> looked an look old favourite. Yeah, look quite tasty. Or um, if Johnny Evans starts, he's a similar price to commit one or more fouls. And I have to say, you know, how old is Johnny Evans now? You know, uh, well, it must be at least 35, 36, right? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, he he looked uh, he looked to struggle uh, against Sheffield United the the other night when being pulled out of position. Um, yeah, and I think the the age is obviously catching up with him. So yeah, I think either of those two I thought was a was a good bet. And if they both if they both start again, you you can get six to four on both of them to commit one or more fouls. Um, you'd imagine that. Uh, at home, they might play with an even uh, higher line. And uh, yeah, the, regardless of who they're against, there will obviously be uh, transitional points in the match that might need them to to take a foul for the team. Yeah, worth keeping an eye on. And we're in decent form in that regard because we nailed the podcast treble at the weekend at five to one. Big game in Newcastle's group, uh, Paris Saint-Germain against Milan Stinch. 
Milan a funny team because they were beaten at the weekend by Juventus, but they had Malik Chow sent off in the first half. So it's a difficult one to judge, I guess. But they're, they're not the most expansive at times, certainly in the Champions League. I know they made chances against Newcastle and probably should have put them away. Had some opportunities against Dortmund as well. But they're quite a hard team to break down. I'm quite intrigued as to how they'll approach this. I thought you were going to say a, a hard team to read because that was going to be <clears throat> my my sort of um, main main point. To be honest, uh, we look at them last season. Obviously, they they made the the Champions League semi finals. They had that terrific uh, victory over over Napoli um, in the quarterfinals. <clears throat> they obviously disposed of uh, Antonio Conte Tottenham in the in the round before, and obviously you know we we would probably say a Conte team versus a Piole team, you'd rather be with Conte team in terms of the sort of tactical acumen. So uh, a lot, a lot of credit there, but we also know that, you know, without Leal, they were um, a completely different team uh, a lot of the time. But I was quite pleased um, if, if I was, if that's the right word, that with their transfer business in, in the summer, you know, getting in the likes of Pulisic, uh, Chukwueze, for example, who have maybe not been consistent enough in their previous clubs, but the fact that Milan got them, in, in my opinion, a, a decent um, transfer fees meant that uh, there's little downside, really. You know, you can easily probably yeah. sell them on for for a similar amount, probably. And, and also it takes that sort of creative um, the reliance um, away from uh, Liao um, and perhaps maybe even uh, means that there's uh, less defenders um, on him and it means he's got more space. But... You look at them in the um, in the Champions League in particular, and despite the fact that they made the semi final, their their record really is is very underwhelming. Um, under Pioli, Milan have won just two of ten Champions League away games, and one of those was a four 0 win in in Zagreb. So if you take that away, they, they've scored just five goals in in nine away games, and they've actually failed to score in four of their last five trips, which is obviously coincides with a lot of their uh, run to the semi final. So it kind of almost can't quite sort of believe that they even made the semi final last season. Um, and actually, overall under Pioli, they've won just six of twenty Champions League games. So again, how how on earth did they make the semis? Um, they scored just twenty one goals in that run, and given the fact that eleven of those came in three games versus Zagreb and, and Salzburg, it's only actually ten goals in seventeen games when you remove them. They're quite um, containing counter, aren't they? That's the way he seems to have basically let's dig in and let's see what Rafael Liao could do on the counter attack. That seems to be a big part of it. Yeah, but it's just not not conducive into in terms of long term success. And I think what we see nowadays in football over the last three, four, five years is you you can't do a, a Mourinho or a Benitez sort of. 10, 15 years ago and sort of defend your way to success, you're rewarded for being proactive. Um, yeah. So betting wise, that's often reflected in the odds and the prices as well. And, and as a better myself, that's what I prefer to, to side with. Um, because yeah, you, you are giving yourself a better chance of success rather than hoping for that um, maybe defensive approach. And I think also just thinking out loud, perhaps, you know, VAR has had a, an impact on that because if you, if you are sort of defending very deep, you know, you look at maybe Liverpool v Everton on, on Saturday, obviously Liverpool made the, broke the deadlock with a, with a handball call that, you know, the referee hadn't given, you know, he had to go to the TV screen and see it. Yeah, and then there sure. were other 
there were other multiple uh, penalty shouts as well. And if you are defending really, really deep, um, it, you know, there is there is probably a higher probability of balls being coming into the box or, or players um, uh, having touches inside the penalty area and defenders having to be more careful. But with more, uh, you know, cameras and, and sort of eyes picking up these potential decisions, it, it, you know, maybe the deadlock then becomes easier and it's harder, harder to get out with a, you know, with a draw or, or with a, uh, with a, a narrow victory. I mean, I had a lot of success previously in betting with um, betting nil nils, but I have noticed a huge downturn in performance over the last few years, and I think that is down uh, down to VAR um, yeah. because there because I think there is has been an increase in penalties in these types of games. So yeah, I, I want to oppose Milan. Basically, um, you know they failed to score in the last four Champions League games, um, and they've only scored three in the in the last eight. Just to continue where where we left off before, um, PSG were eight to eleven v Dortmund. Here, PSG are a bit bigger at one point eight five. I can't really say too much. Uh, sort of in favour of PSG. Obviously, it's difficult to judge them based on uh, Liga. Um, because of the the difference in in quality, but, it, but they're but not exactly you, ripping up league, are they? Really? No, I do think I do think they're obviously big reliance on Mbappe, um, and obviously I think we mentioned last time uh, on the Champions League show that they've have obviously had a huge turnover in players with the departures of, of Neymar, Messi, Verratti, Ramos. You know, it's a big spine of the team, and <clears throat> I, I think. You know, Luis Enrique has proved himself <clears throat> at uh, Champions League level and, and club football level, if maybe not proved himself at uh, international level. So I think, again, I just want to side with a team that I think will be more proactive. You know, PSG are averaging over 70% possession in Liga. So they are controlling games. And in, in Syria, Milan are only averaging the 13th most shots per game. So... You know, it's difficult to have faith with them scoring goals and, and ultimately avoiding defeat in football matches. So kind of a little bit of blind faith in backing PSG here at 1.85, but it's it's more opposing Milan, basically. Really intriguing game, I think, in Turkey on Tuesday. Galatasaray against Bayern. Mark, I think Galatasaray can give Bayern a few problems here. I think Bayern is still... Bit reliant on individual quality, not really dominating games in the way that an old school Bayern used to. They're getting by. They're managing to do it. Leroy Zane is playing as well as I've ever seen him play. Harry Kane's banging in goals. Kingsley Coman got a great goal at the weekend against Mainz. But the picking up injuries, Leon Goretzka bust his arm at the weekend or bust his hand, I think. Um, so he might be out for a while. And Galatasaray are kind of the Harlem Globetrotters of the Champions League. I mean, you look at all that attacking talent they've managed to pack in. They're dangerous. Yeah, I'm not so high on, on Galatasaray, but then I wasn't going into the Manchester United match either. Um, I still expect Bayern Munich to win this match. I do believe that Galatasaray can give them a, a few concerning moments, but I just think Bayern's uh, all-round game may not be strong, particularly in, in def defensive and field right now, and, and the defence is certainly vulnerable. But I just think going forward, if you if you chose either attack, you'd always take the Bayern Munich attack. So we can play up the, the Galatasaray individuals all we like, but apart from Maro Cardi, for me, uh, none of them are anywhere close to the same level of quality that Bayern Munich have at their disposal. So, you know, Bayern are two from two in this group, as expected. Uh, they haven't been the juggernaut 
uh, Bayern we've come to expect in this competition, particularly in the group stage of, of previous campaigns. Uh, they are missing a few key ingredients. Thomas Duckel is very eager to tell us and everyone uh, about their lack of a holding midfielder and yes. the defensive departures. Mentioned um, it once or twice. <laughs> um, I'd expect Bayern to rectify those things in January. I expect them to be a much better team in February, March, April time. They're still hugely talented, especially in possession. They are flawed though, and they are vulnerable at times. You know, that Man United match on match day one was was very odd because they won it at a canter, but they still managed to concede three goals and come nowhere close to top gear either. So yeah. uh, the match in Copenhagen was a, probably a bit more alarming because they toiled against a, a bit of a low block for quite some time, fell behind, needed to kind of scramble things in the last half hour to pinch the points. But um, I still think this matchup kind of suits them more than, than going away to Copenhagen because Galatasaray will give you a game, will try and attack you and try and um, pull you out of position. And I think Bayern are more up there more likely to to hurt you um, in transitions and counterattacks when you're you know, being the aggressor rather than just sort of sitting in a low block like Copenhagen would. So um, I like the look of Bayern to win this match and both teams to score because it boosts the Bayern price from 148 to 274, which is a, a massive, massive leap. Um, just three clean sheets in 11 games across the Super Cup, Bundesliga and the Champions League now for Bayern this season. Uh, the last away clean sheet and their only away clean sheet came against Bremen on match day one of the Bundesliga back in August. Um, but yeah, as I said, I think tactically the approach here of Galatasaray um, should uh, play into their hands. I think Galatasaray is still very erratic as a team. I think we saw that on match day one against Copenhagen where they were in complete control for the most part and then managed to, to wet the bed a little bit in the last half hour and allow the Danes <laughs> back into it. So um, yeah, I, I just think um, yeah, even even if you look at match day two, the, the game against Manchester United, um, the final score kind of warps your thinking of how the match played out because in the first sort of half hour, or at least the first 20 minutes, it was all Man United. They completely controlled the game, took the lead and looked like they were heading for, for quite a comfortable win. And then their defence just fell apart for that equaliser and, and things got worse from there on. But um, yeah, I mean, I think if you look at the Galatasaray team in defence in midfield, you know, Bayern are the better, the better side by hands down, really. And then that's supposed to be their weak spot. And sure, you can look at Zaha, Tete, Mertens. Um, I'm going to pronounce the name completely wrong, but uh, Aktarokoglu. Oh, Aktarokoglu, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, he's terrific. Yeah. He's he was brilliant at Old Trafford. Um, but even still, you know, a nice kind of collection of, of players there who can be capable on their day. But I think Okadi is still the elite level finisher. He is still the massive danger. But I just think Bayern's... Bayern's uh, superiority across the board should be kind of coming to the fore here. And, and look, this is a, a competition, particularly in the group stage, where they just tend to get the business done. You know, if you look at their away record, even in the group stage, they're unbeaten at 18 away Champions League group games now. They've won 16 of those, which is a competition record. So wouldn't be too surprised to see if they concede in this game, but I expect Bayern to score at least twice. And it should be fun either way. Now, injury time goals can be a pain in the pocket if they ruin your bets. And now you've got 90-minute payouts to rescue you if the clock hits 90 minutes and you've got the right result as it stands. Your bet wins when the match ticks into injury time. T's and C's in the description. 18 plus BeGambleAware.org. And with all of that stoppage time knocking around these days, uh, it's even more useful uh, to have that in your back pocket. Celtic against Atletico Madrid. Stinch, this is an interesting one. I, I think Atleti in 2023... It's really quite remarkable, the, the leap that they've made. Griezmann, you know, I understand all the talk about other players, but Griezmann's been as consistent as anyone in La Liga in 2023. This looks quite a hard game for Celtic, doesn't it? 
Yeah, I think Atletico have finally evolved from from an attacking standpoint under Simeone. They're they're on fire this season, and it's a bit of a been as you sort of alluded to, been a sort of continuation from the the back end of last season. They've won seven out of nine so far. They're the second top goal scorers in La Liga. They're averaging nearly three goals per game. Not something you'd associate with Atletico. But they've also got the second best defense. Um, and the reason along with that, that this sort of game piqued my interest was they opened up at eight to 13. They're now nearly evens. So that's a, that's a big drift. And I think there's a, maybe eight to 13 was too, too short to start with, but I, I think evens is, is too big now. Um, against the Sel- wandered off to play NBA jam or something like that. He's like <laughs> disappeared and nobody can find him. Cause that's the only reason I can think you'd have such a big shift. Yeah. I mean, not, they were very heavily reliant on him in the sort of good old days. I would say under Simeone when they were grinding out victories, but, but now they have such a, a depth in, in that squad. Um, you know, the likes of, even like uh, Samuel Lino that came in from uh, from Portugal that um, he's done well, hasn't he? Last season, he's he's sort of been shoehorned into like a wing back, but it seems to be uh, effective. He was sort of like, like a, a left forward in Portugal at, uh, at Gil Vicente. Um, but then also, I really like players just like Mario Hermoso, who's really versatile. Marcus Lorente, who I, I don't know how he doesn't have more caps to Spain. I think he's 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 absolutely yeah. fantastic. And you got you know you got the thugs in defence that will just take a numerous amounts of yellow cards anywhere on the pitch to to stop you from getting anywhere near Atleti's goal. Um, and then you know off the bet off the bench, you've got uh, Angel Correa who. I guess we'll never ever be a regular starter, but always seems to come on and, and do something yeah. good. You've got Memphis Super, Depay, yeah. who who's, has ridiculous levels of, of efficiency. Um, and even Alvaro Morata is scoring a lot of goals as well um, this this year. Um, I was going to say this season, but this year he's been really good as well. So I just think they've just got so much quality over the pitch. And Simeone, uh, what, what I found with Atletico is they'll buy these players to try and evolve, but they ultimately just can't seem to fit in Simeone's system, but he seems to have finally found like a, almost like a compromise. Like, yes, you you can do your flair attacking, but as long as you get the the basics and defense sorted first, and that gives us yeah. a, a foothold in the game. So yeah, Griezmann's really... kind of the ultimate guy for that, right? Isn't he? Because we look at all the flair and all the lovely stuff from Griezmann, but you'll struggle to find a harder working player than him without the ball. As a as a kind of forward or attacking midfielder, whatever role he happens to be playing. Yeah, and I think that's sort of uh, replicated in his um, defensive figures this season. I mean, even um, even in terms of like uh, disciplinary, like he's got, I think he's got four yellow cards in his last nine games. So, yeah. I mean, yellow cards are, are very uh, binary. You know, it's it's not something that um, players. Some players might commit a lot of fouls, but they're sort of niggly fouls and don't get the don't pick up the the card. So I don't want to I don't want to read too much into it, but just think it's another uh, facet of of his game that uh, that is being uh, borne out. Essentially, I'm not necessarily saying he's he's now a more dirty player than he was last season, because um, you can be quite unlucky, obviously, with with picking up yellow cards. But yeah, just reflected in his in his work rate, I would say. So yeah, <clears throat> waxing lyrical about Atletico. Um, there's a huge drift on their prize. So want to try and justify being able to get involved and obviously in my mind you think of going to Celtic used to think I used to well 
still kind of think of it as uh you know parkhead being a bit of a, a european fortress you think of those um you know tony watts scoring against barcelona for example yeah. um beating uh i think they beat milan as well uh, i think they've had like some really tight games against man city as well so in my mind always had sort of parkhead as a as a bit of a european fortress but but now it's just one win in the last eight champions league home games and that includes five defeats and you know some of those by lazio didn't they yeah, they were a bit unlucky against against Lazio, but again, I just think it comes down to sort of um, underlying quality at the end of the day that they just don't have the the same quality as as some of these teams they're coming up against. Um, and and those defeats, some of those are in in qualifiers as well, so it's not even at group stage. But if you look at group stage level, it's now ten defeats in the last thirteen home games, so it's really really far fetched from those Barcelona and, and Milan days. So. Uh, yeah, given the fact that Atletico have drifted so much, I think it just represents fantastic opportunity to be able to bat them minus a quarter, uh, 1.8 on the exchange. So even if Atletico don't manage to to come away with three points, but if they avoid defeat, it's it's very risk averse that we'll get half our stake back. So yeah, really, really like that angle considering the the huge drift on, on the price. Yeah, Mark Stinch makes a good point here about Celtic because I do wonder with them, whether the reality matches what you sometimes have in your head, because even under Postacoglu, their European record was very, very ordinary. And there is a huge quality gap between the team that's pushing quite hard at the top in Spain and Celtic. That's just the current reality, isn't it? Yep. Um, can't really add too much to what Stinch has already said, but you know, in a kind of answer to your question, Last year, I felt Celtic were, were quite unfortunate. They were given a, a really tough uh, group stage draw with Real Madrid and RB Leipzig. And certainly the games at Parkhead, they were very competitive, but they ended up losing both of them despite playing really well. And I think that's the the sad fact is, you know, going back to, to what you're saying there is they just don't have the quality of player capable of either taking the, the sort of opportunities they create or keeping the, the goals out at the other end. And we saw that actually on, on match day two against Lazio, where over the course of the 90 minutes, Celtic were, were probably slightly better, probably created slightly better chances. They thought they'd won it when uh, they scored later on before VAR intervened. And then they went to, on to lose that match and desperately disappointing because after the first game away at Feyenoord, where they competed well right up to, to half time, and then they conceded a direct free kick right on half time. It just knocked the stuffing out of them in the second half. They were they just weren't at the races at all. The red cards didn't help, obviously. But um, now they've got an enormous task just to either get out of the group or even get Europa League football. Um, you know, home and away games now against Atletico Madrid is is you know the toughest yeah. task in this group. So um, I just feel this isn't the same side we saw twelve months ago or twenty four months ago. Uh, Brendan Rodgers' team has taken a while to kind of click into gear. They've shown a few signs of life in recent weeks uh, domestically, uh, but his European record has been pretty sketchy to say the least uh, across all of his clubs. And I think it's a very fair assessment to say Celtic aren't the same side as 12 months ago under Postacoglu. And if we go back to last season, uh, go back to that tough group stage draw, they were beaten at home by Leipzig, who went off at a very similar price to what Atletico Madrid are um, this midweek. So, you know, Celtic competed well that night, but they still lost the game. And you compare Leipzig last year to where Atletico Madrid are right now, would you say Atletico are better, worse, the same? I think you can't say they're any worse than RB Leipzig. They have to be either the 100%. same or possibly better. So um, for me, this is a great value price. You've got the third best team in Spain, Griezmann and Morata in exceptional form. Uh, I think both of them have kind of 
um, fostered a really nice relationship between each other with, with Memphis being injured. They've been able to play consistently together and they're winning games consistently at the minute, despite not actually playing particularly well some of the time. Uh, they are very attack-minded now. Uh, they have still got that bit of dog about them uh, under Simeone, but they're much more adventurous and they'll come here looking for a result as well. So uh, I think the only negative I have about Atletico is the first two group games where they haven't been very convincing at all. The underlying metrics have been pretty poor, actually. Uh, but I still think price-wise, this is a, one of the better bets on the midweek card. So Atletico Madrid, I've got, I'm just backing them to win the game at even money. You might remember when they went to Lazio, they were undone by a goal from a goalkeeper right at the end. So you don't see that very often. Um, Stinch, I find this game really interesting. Fine order against Lazio because... Lazio managed through that Providel header to grab a point against Atleti. They then pulled Celtic's pants down because they shouldn't really have been able to win that game, but they did. But even though they've been winning in Serie A, I find them a really difficult team to read. I know they've got three out of the last four in Serie A. They're a strange old team. Sassuolo made two awful mistakes against them at the weekend to gift them a couple of goals. And going to Feyenoord's not going to be easy. Feyenoord in great form under Arna Slot, as as we would expect, seeing as they're the champions. Yeah, I, I might be a bit biased here in, in my sort of uh, analysis, and I, I take on board what you what you say regarding you know Lazio um, have underwhelmed at times this season. But I just I think any better um, when they before they sort of dig deep into into a game, they should have you know, that sort of uh, gut feeling about a price. And I just thought Feyenoord at odds on was was too short for for what is an Eredivisie team against a Serie A team. That, that's a bit too lazy. Um, but having you know looked a little bit deeper, I, I do think Feyenoord perhaps a, a bit short. And, and the way I'm going to play it is to essentially lay final or back Lazio double chance around about 10 to 11 because rather than back in Lazio say plus three quarters on the handicap because the way I see this game perhaps playing out is if final win they could win well yeah and they'll win by two or, or three perhaps and then your your plus uh, Lazio plus three quarters uh, will lose the double chance would lose as well but the double chance is a much bigger price and a lot of the time in football matches, if a team can't get that first goal, often the game will will not peter out. But it's it's it. The longer that that first goal doesn't come, it's easier essentially for the for the the team not to win. Um, that that might sound a bit um, stupid in in a way, but it, essentially, I think. I know what a, you mean, though. Yeah, it's a bit like when Man United played um, Galatasaray. Rather than um, laying Man United or backing Galatasaray on the sorry, rather than backing Galatasaray on on the handicap, it's it's better, I think, to go for sort of a binary approach and and say, will they win the game? Will they not win the game? Because my issue with backing uh, teams that are underdogs on the handicap. Is the reason they're an un, they're an underdog? There's a good reason why they're an underdog is because the, you know, the the other team are better, and if the other team are better, there's a good chance after they score one, the game opens up and they score two, three, four. Yeah. So I prefer to to go to go this approach and literally say, okay, I was wrong. 
but I've, you know, if I was right, I've double my money. But if, but if I was, if I'm wrong, if I'm wrong, I, you know, I lose, I lose my one point stake or, or whatever, rather than getting you into it. were right the, about United Galatasaray. You laid United, didn't you? Or said uh, we backed both teams to score, but I think we could have been a bit bolder and maybe gone for Galatasaray at sort of five, six to one. But again, that's, that's hindsight. And it's, it was a new Galatasaray team, you know, only three games into the season, but Perhaps, you know, I'm always looking to improve. So, you know, perhaps I should uh, get back to studying after we finished. But um, in terms of in terms of this match, the thing that piqued my interest here was was the price. And I just thought final were a bit short. Atletico were eight to 13 at home to finals. So if you strip out the home advantage, yeah, that has Atletico about 0.65 of a goal better than than final. And when Atletico went to Lazio, Atletico was six to four. So again, you strip out the home advantage and that makes uh, Letico around about 0.5 goals better than than Lazio. So what that's saying there is the market on those two games says that Lazio are better than Feyenoord by 0.15 of a goal. So you you then factor that in and the but then you look at the fact that Feyenoord have home advantage. So you then you would add around 0.35 of a goal for home advantage. So literally what we're saying here is the odds should be based on those two games, Feyenoord around about 0.2 of a goal fave. So that would make Feyenoord around about 11 to 8. But Feyenoord are odds on. So I just think there's too big a discrepancy there. I can be wrong about a lot of things, but I would have to be massively, massively wrong for the price to swing from 11 to 8 all the way down to, to odds on. So that's why I'm sort of happy to, to go with my gut here. We talk a lot about closing price and closing price is a good guide, but when teams meet in Europe, you haven't really got a huge spread of data and it can be difficult to match up how a team performs week in, week out in their domestic leads compared to how they can perform in Europe. And one of the hardest leagues to sort of decide on quality is probably the Eredivisie. (laughs) We've seen so many players bought from the Eredivisie because they're amazing. And then they can, but they can hardly even get a game um, for for their new club in one of the sort of top five leagues. Let alone you're able to see whether their um, performance comes to fruition, which says to me that perhaps in training they look so bad compared to what their stats were saying previously that the manager's not even interested in giving them a chance. So it's it's very very difficult. But as I say, I just think that here there was a such a big di- discrepancy in in the prices when you sort of break it down. Yes, Feyenoord uh, having a fantastic season, continuing where they left off, won seven of nine, scoring 32 goals. Um, I was actually quite a big fan of uh, Santiago Jimenez when he was playing in in Mexico. Uh, used to bet on him uh, a few times, so I'm not surprised to see how well he's doing. But what surprised to see he's got 13 goals already in in, uh, in only yeah. nine games. Uh, but again, it, how how does that Eredivisie quality match up in in Champions League? Um, and we know we know Lazio can flatter to deceive, but with you know Immobile, Zakanyi, Felipe Anderson, uh, Luis Alberto, they've lost Milinkovic Savic, um, obviously, but I still think they've got f- some good players in attacking areas that could could maybe take advantage of, of Feyenoord. So yeah, very long winded there, but a little bit of insight into perhaps how maybe you could uh, build your prices from previous games. Yeah, always worth looking at how. Stinge works out these values. In terms of the Eredivisie, by the way, Fire Order going well. Ajax aren't. They're absolute rubbish. They're second bottom in the Eredivisie. They lost 
4-3 at Utrecht, who were also really poor at the weekend. Um, the manager, uh, I mean, by the time this goes out, he might have gone, but he was desperately clinging on uh, after that 4-3 defeat at Utrecht. The fans have rioted. The sporting director has been sacked. It's an absolute shambles. They go to Brighton, who were the complete antithesis of that, really well run, uh, really everything plotted out at every level. I mean, Mark, this feels like a complete mismatch. Is it? Well, the market reckons it will be. Uh, Brighton are 134 favourites to win this game, which is... Uh... Isn't that wild? If you just said to somebody, even three years ago, Oh, Brighton are going to be uh, 1.34 <laughs> favourites in a European game against Ajax. They'd have thought you'd lost the plot. Yeah, it, it, it is astonishing. I think Brighton fans need to kind of take a picture of the odds because I'm not sure this will ever happen again. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you've kind of, you barely even scratched the surface with the Ajax troubles, have you? I mean, it's just catastrophic, really, what's, what's occurred at that club. Um, the wastage um, is what's most alarming to me, to be in such a strong position of power in your domestic division, to turn yourself into such a disaster case in, in what, just a couple of seasons? Um, I'm not sure we'll ever see Ajax at such a low ebb ever again in my lifetime, to be honest. And you mentioned that game of the weekend, uh, Utrecht were, were bottom of the table going into that game against Ajax and they still managed to beat them. So uh, they're winless since the opening day of the season in the era of EC, five straight def domestic defeats, their worst ever start, understandably. Just a complete embarrassment, really. Um, five of the last six opponents have scored at least twice against them. Brighton should do the same. Uh, but I just think Ajax will be... Ajax are capable of scoring a goal themselves. They've still got plenty of talent in there. And as we know, Brighton will always give you an opportunity. So um, it was quite amusing, I thought, at the weekend. The Brighton game against Man City ended 2-1 to City. It was the first time this season across the Premier League and the Europa League that a Brighton match didn't feature four goals or more. Um, they have been goal crazy this season. But for Brighton, it's now just one win in six across all competitions, four defeats in that sample. They've not been anywhere near their best in European competition. Um, you've laboured the point a few times about their defeat to AEK Athens on match day one, uh, but they just look like rabbits in the headlights for for the European stage. And then they drew two all at, at Marseille, where they just didn't turn up for the first half hour at least and and had to sort of battle their way back. And um, the Zerbi has mentioned a few times now about the difficulty of the schedule, juggling both competitions. Injuries are now beginning to bite as well. Uh, Noah Stupinian still, now Solly March is injured, Welbeck, yeah. Lamptey as well. So they're going to struggle a little bit, especially at left back for the next couple of weeks. Um, Regardless, we know they'll take a front foot approach here. That just is the Brighton way. They still pack so much punch in, in the final third as well. They arguably created the better openings that the Etihad on Saturday. They won the expected goals battle at Man City in, in quite a, a low quality game for such a kind of highly anticipated match. But uh, yeah, we've talked about their firepower, their goal scoring ability for the week on ends, really. And um, I expect Brighton to score a couple of goals here, but I just wouldn't bat them to keep a clean sheet either. So, you know, for all Ajax's domestic troubles, they did play out score draws against AEK and Marseille so far. They probably will fall short here, but I just think you can back them um, to obviously score in defeat. A Brighton win and both teams to score are at 2.6, uh, which is a huge, huge leap on Brighton just to win at 134. Uh, and just a, a sort of a longer shot as well. It's a, a, a market I think Stinch and I have dabbled in a couple of times in the Bundesliga in recent seasons. You can get 7-2 to two on both teams to score at least two goals in this match. Uh, wouldn't be too surprised if this game kind of ended up in 2-2, two, 3-2, two, two, something like that. But uh, yeah, would favour Brighton. I just think that both those prices are a little bit too big. Yeah, Maurice Stein, the manager of Ajax, went on holiday to Ibiza in the international break. I think a lot of Ajax fans would have preferred that he stayed there 
quite frankly. Stinch, they're a mess. And it's funny because Mark's absolutely right. There's still talent in that squad. Of course there is. But you look at some of the names, they're quite unfamiliar. They've really asset stripped that squad. Sven Mislintat brought in a ton of summer signings that haven't worked out and he's been sacked. It, it is an absolute mess. Yeah, I mean, it, it's been a huge uh, turnover of players having lost Kudos, Timber, Alvarez, Calvin Bassi, all to the Premier League, all for, you know, substantial fees, which which shows you that the, the, the amount of quality they've lost. But then you throw on top of that, you know, they've lost the, the experience of the likes of Dusan Tadic and, and Davy Klassen. Yeah. And I, I think yeah. it's inevitable you're going to get a lot of volatility. Obviously, nobody expects, expects them to be uh, second bottom in, in the era divisa. Um, but I think perhaps, you know, teams like, you know, Leipzig, for example, we know they, they buy young quality and, and hope to develop them. I think perhaps in this instance, it, it's maybe too too simple to say that the younger players need a bit more time. Um, but I do think there is some quality that they, they have brought in. Um, the the lad, the name escapes me, but the guy from Man City who, who scored a, a ton of goals at a reserve league level. He scored four against uh, Man United in an under-21 game. Nunes, I think his name is, um, the Brazilian. Um, he looks a, a really good player. Um, I'm not sure on, say, signing someone like Tuba Akpom. Um, not a lot of risk involved. I think he was only like 10 million. But uh, again, it just goes to show what you said before about perhaps um, a lack of clarity in thinking between management, sporting director, um, probably owner or shareholders. Um, so yeah, they, they are in a mess, but the, there's no way you could be back in Brighton at the, at the price here. I mean, it's incredible. They were, they were similar price to AEK Athens and they got a very, um, you know, uh, rude awakening call in that game, but they didn't really learn because then in Marseille, they went two 0 behind very early on. And, uh, you know, just one win in, in seven. Now, um, Ajax are only one win in nine. So I don't think you want to be going anywhere near the match odds. So again, in my mind, just a very easy, easy bet in, in Brighton back matches is to, is to back over two and a half goals and, and both teams to score. And I think it's just about backable here at eight to 11, which I think is incredible when you consider over two and a half goals is just one to three. I mean, Brighton's games this season, 12 games, 50 goals, 4.17 per game. <laughs> I, I ax 40 in 11, 3.64 per game, you know, and we're talking about a goal line of 2.5. Um, so, yeah, but you know, that's reflected in the price at, at one to three, but well, the beauty of this bet here is because Brighton are such big faves, it means Ajax's goal expectancy is really low. So both teams to score is four to seven. So the market's kind of saying that essentially there's there's a better chance of Brighton scoring all three goals to land overs than, than both teams contributing. And I just think you know, that can't really, really be right um, in the end. As, as Mark says, we know Brighton will always give you a chance at, at the back. Um I don't think it's too lazy to say that, you know, it is borne out by the fact Zerbi has been there for over, you know, 40 games. And if you look at just this season, 11 of Brighton's 12 games, I've seen both teams score. And the one that didn't was a, was a league cup match where, you know, rotation and motivation are, are high in demand. So yeah, we'll just keep back in back again. We'll just keep back in this edge until, until it eventually erodes, but it's, it's going well, uh, 40 games plus, and we're still finding uh, room to maneuver in backing goals in Brighton games. 
That's the way we like to do it. That's all we have time for, sadly, on this special European edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Our usual weekend previews will be up and running later in the week. And remember, all of our football shows are on Betfair's new YouTube channel for non-racing content. So make sure you like and subscribe. From Mark, from Stinch and from me, it's goodbye for now.